and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. You know what I've said for the last few weeks? Yep, it's happening. It's hot. I hate it. Thankfully though, I have mastered the technique of cooling my house down in the evenings before the blistering sun wakes me up at 7am every morning. But it is pretty rough at the moment in the UK. Please do send us your thoughts and sorrows and prayers. It will only get worse from this point onwards. Currently, I'm recording at about 11 o'clock at night and it's still 17 degrees outside i've got all the fans going so if you can hear a monotonous ringing in the background it's my fan and i'm sorry i'm not gonna turn it off (laughs) but moving swiftly on from the weather and i do apologize i'm very british when it comes to this being my favorite small talk entry subject we are not going too far from the british isles this week though and heading over to scandinavia for a terrible monster from Norse mythology that has become truly a legend. He has been known by many names like the World Serpent, the Midgard Serpent, the Earth Necklace, but his nickname is Jormungand. If you are into your Norse mythology, you know how massive this giant snake is to the Norse pantheon and to Norse pagans, and I'm going to tell you all about him. Jormungand is generally described, as you can imagine from his other names, a giant serpent or dragon. There are only two different accounts of what he looks like physically, and they are just basic snakes or dragons. There's nothing in particular that's special about him, other than the fact that he is absolutely massive. He can encircle the entire world and eat his own tail to complete the circle, which is known as the Ouroboros, which I'll explain more later, just as a thing but he is huge, you cannot even fathom how massive this creature is. Now he primarily lives in Midgard's waters, and if you know anything about Norse mythology or have listened to any of my Norse myths before, that means Earth, Midgard is technically where we live, and we exist as one of the nine Norse realms. He was thrown into them as a little baby snake by the king of the Norse pantheon Odin, as Jormungand and his two siblings were all involved in a prophecy that foretold the downfall of the Norse gods, otherwise and famously known as Ragnarok. Now why is this? Well, Jormungand is one of the three most important children of the trickster god Loki, and his Jotun giantess mistress Agraboda, who had him, Fenrir the giant wolf, and the goddess of Nilfenheim or Norse underword Hel. Yes, her name is just Hell. The prophecy really worried Odin, and considering the monsters were raised in the giant realm of Jotunheim, which the gods had issues with previously, all three children were either sent away or basically imprisoned with the gods. He threw Jormungandr into Midgard, Hell to Nilfenheim, and Fenrir was chained up in Asgard to be used as a guard by the gods who rejected him. Now, we will cover Fenrir in another episode, and unfortunately, Hel is basically the Norse goddess of death, so we probably won't touch on her again, 
There's not anything particularly monstrous about her other than the fact that she's evil and the goddess of death. So we'll see if we ever come back to her. Now getting back to Jormungand, in terms of powers, he had the ability to shoot a black poisonous sludge from his mouth. And whilst he was still small, he shot this at the god of thunder, Thor, who cursed the animal as his permanent nemesis, which goes on for the rest of their lives. And Thor is in all of Jormungand's myths. Also, technically, he was half god, half giant, and so he was really quite massive and strong, as well as being super long too. Now, if you do want to hear me go on about the Norse giants in more detail, I covered the Jotun not too long ago, and this also covers all of the Norse realms as well if you didn't know about them. I won't go into them now, but it's always handy to know if you don't already. Now, Odin was pretty happy with what he'd done to the children, but once Jormungand was thrown into the sea, he started growing exponentially, and eventually grew long enough to cover the whole world and bite his own tail. However, what Odin wasn't aware of is that the prophecy of Ragnarok said that the world serpent would start Ragnarok when he released his tail from his mouth, and that Thor and Jormungand would fight to the death at the end of days. That was something that was conveniently not told to him. And this precursors everything to do with Ragnarok and the general fall of the Norse pantheon. But before I get way too into the myth and tell you all the stories about him, I'm just going to say that there was only one Jormungand. There were no other great snakes in the ocean, meaning that he never procreated. We also know that he was a he, because he is actively named as such within the mythology, same as Fenrir, with Hel being presented as female. And I will also say they were not the only children of Loki, and they were not the only monstrous children either, but they were the only ones from Agraboda. But for now, let's jump into the history of the myth before I tell you about the events of Ragnarok and myths about this wonderful beast. So in terms of etymology, Jormungand is an old Norse word, which comes from Jormun, meaning superhumanly large, and Gand, meaning snake. However, it can mean a whole load of stick-like objects. I'm sure you will use your imagination. I will not name some of them. So we believe that it means giant snake, vast river, vast stick or staff, serpent. However, it can also mean the vast bind too, relating to the coiling of the snake's body. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but realistically, Jormungand is just a nickname or even its actual given name but it's actually called Midgard Sormer, which literally translates into World Serpent, if you translate Midgard into World, of course. But it all makes sense in the end. I will also say you'll probably notice that it's got an R on the end. However, this word, you don't pronounce the R. I did so in the announcement last week. Very bad of me, I didn't check beforehand, but it is just Jormungand. The history of this monster, though, is pretty slim, and it is with most Norse myths, mainly because they all come from pretty much the same thing, the prose Edda or the poetic Edda in its full state. This is one of the only texts with details on Norse mythology, and we know it dates back to around 1200, which is pretty old, if you can imagine that. Within this, there are three myths that Jormungand features in, and I will leave Ragnarok till the last so that you know how this story ends chronologically within the myths. It wouldn't make sense for me to finish Ragnarok first before you know about any of the others. 
considering it is technically the end time. The first myth is of his creation and banishment into Midgard, as well as his massive growth within the seas. However, the first proper written myth that he's in is quite a silly story. As a precursor to all stories within Norse myth, most of the Norse gods are quite overly confident, and when the giant king Utgarda Loki, with no connection to the god Loki by the way, challenged the gods to a contest of godly nature within his epic teleporting castle. The gods were super happy that they finally got to track this guy down, he had a literal teleporting castle, and they also really love a challenge. So they go and they are set impossible tasks, even for a god. Thor specifically is given the task of drinking all the ale from a goblet, however he finds that the goblet is never ending and he fails. He then is asked, and this is very important, to lift a cat off of the ground. But when he goes to pick the cat up, the cat continuously stretches and he only manages to get one paw off the ground. After the gods have been adequately humiliated and humbled, the giant king confesses that they were all tricked. Thor was drinking from the ocean with the never-ending goblet, and actually nearly drained all the water from the earth whilst doing so. And the cat? Well, it was Jormungand in disguise, and Thor managed to pull it up so high out of the ocean that the serpent was dangling in the sky. And of course, considering the size of this beast and the fact that he can wrap his tail around the entire world, you can imagine what a sight and a feat that was. Utgarda Loki then says that it was a mistake to allow the gods to find him, and swears to never appear to them again, and he doesn't. But it is a fun myth. The second is Thor's fishing trip. Now, when Thor went fishing with the giant Hymir, Hymir refused to bait Thor's line and so Thor decided to behead Hymir's best ox and use this instead, obviously annoying the giant in the process. Hymir ends up catching two whales with his bait, and Thor asks him to go out a bit further so that he can use the ox head with much better prey, with his super strong line and rod. And of course, what would he fish up but Jormungand, who spits poison at him in shock, and Thor remembers this monster from his younger years grabs his hammer and tries to kill him. However, Ymir steals away his revenge and cuts the line, returning the serpent to the depths. There is another ending to this myth though, and it's that Thor ends up killing the beast. However, canonically for Ragnarok to happen, which is essential I must say, the beast must remain alive, so it only makes sense to stick to the first one. Now most importantly, we do have Ragnarok. You know the prophecy part, but this would bring an end to the whole Norse pantheon and realistically, the Norse pagan way of life, so it's a really big deal within mythology and within the Norse religion at the time. Ragnarok starts with the death of the god Baldr, who was killed by Loki with his one weakness, mistletoe. Very strange, but it's just the way it is. As soon as this happens, Jormungand releases his tail and the sea becomes turbulent and deadly. Once he's had his fun splashing around, he then forces a flood and washes himself onto land. Once there, Jormungand releases poison into the air and sea, alongside his brother Fenrir, who is snorting out fire from his nostrils. But they are then joined by their sister and her pet hellhound Garm, 
as well as the Jotun from both Jotunheim and Muspelheim, the realm of fire, to confront the gods in the plains of Vigrid, which is apparently an island, but I can't find any information on where in the realms or on earth it might be. The war starts when Heimdall, the god of foresight, blows the god's war horn, Galahorn, and the two parties come to blows. Jormungand and Thor end up in combat, where Thor kills Jormungand. However, Thor walks nine paces and also dies from his poisonous bite. Odin dies to Fenrir, Loki is killed by Heimdall, Tyr, the god of heroes, is killed by Garm, and Frey is killed by Surt, the leader of the fiery giants from Muspelheim, leaving the Norse pantheon in tatters. The world is then covered in darkness, with no stars or sun, only to rise once more with the resurrection of Baldur, the god of light and beauty from the beginning, resurrecting into a new world as foretold. And this is how we explain the decline in Norse paganism from this point onward, and the lack of belief within these gods, the idea that they'd all been killed off and just replaced with the one who walks among us all. The pantheon is no more, and we continue to live life just as humans. But that's the end of our monster, and the whole Norse pantheon within myth. It's a great story. However, I did mention Ouroboros earlier, which I said I would get back to. The Ouroboros is an ancient symbol, actually dating all the way back to ancient Egyptians, which is a serpent or dragon eating its own tail. It represents the eternal cycle of life, death and rebirth, which makes sense with our monster, who also represents life, death and rebirth through its purpose in Ragnarok. And remember that Ragnarok was always destined to happen as prophesied, so Odin realistically was only delaying the inevitable when he discarded Loki's three children. But the Ouroboros is a really important symbol for this monster, and for its importance within Norse mythology too. This symbol is still really commonly used in the modern day. It's in heraldry, you can also see it on coat of arms, but it is most commonly just used as a symbol, but it is certainly a powerful one. Lastly though, there are loads of really godly snakes like this within world mythology. Another one we'll cover at some point will be Apep, who is the equivalent in Egyptian myth and is the god of death and chaos. In contrast, we also have the Rainbow Snake in Aboriginal mythology, who is the creator god, and most similar to Jormungand is Quetzalcoatl from Aztec mythology, who embodies those Ouroboros values of life, death and rebirth. And of course, we'll cover all of these in good time, and they are all technically gods, but I do think they're snaky enough to get away with as monsters too. And realistically, most ancient gods are monsters in the most literal way, these ones just also inhabit a monstrous body, so it kind of works. Now, onto modern media. There are surprisingly few bits on Jormungand in modern media, to be honest. I was actually really shocked in comparison to his popularity. So I've put the few he was in in here, but there are also some big godly serpent references too. For art, you can have a look at some classic portraits such as Thor Battering the Midgard Serpent by Henry Fasilli from 1790, Thor and the Midgard Serpent by Emil Doppler from 1905, The Children of Loki by Willy Pagani from 1920, Jormungand in the Sea during Ragnarok by Louis Moe from 1898, and lastly, Thor Lifts Jormungand Disguised as a Cat by Lorenz Froelich 
which I can't find the date for, but is possibly the funniest picture you'll ever see of someone trying to lift a cat. But there are some really cool adaptations of this independently, so please go and check that out. They do look awesome. In movies, we have Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, The Cabin in the Woods, Gods of Egypt, King Kong, The Lair of the White Worm, The Snake Beast, and Aladdin. For TV, we have DuckTales, Vikings, Final Space, Ninjago, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Conan, The Adventurer. In video games, we have ones such as Jormungand, God of War Ragnarok, Vikings, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, Elden Ring, Horizon, Forbidden West, Shin Megami Tensei, Shadow of the Colossus, Pokemon, Monster Hunter, The Legend of Dragoon, Odin Sphere, Valkyrie Connect, Assassin's Creed Origins, Smite, and Magicka. My book recommendation this week is for Tales of Norse Mythology by Helen Gerber for some really great Norse stories and the most beautiful hardcover book you'll ever see, or Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology because he's a fantastic writer and it's a great book on everything Norse myth. He is my Stephen Fry equivalent in this Norse space. Now it's time for do I think they existed? I'll be honest with you, and you know what I'm going to say. It's a maybe for this one. I'm not saying that I believe that Ragnarok is yet to come and all of the godly mythology attached to him is still there. I'm saying that there could totally be a possibility of a giant sea serpent encircling the world. And I'm not okay with it. If I really envisage this, like really feel it, I can feel myself getting a little bit anxious about the idea of going into water and seeing a completely unfathomably large sea snake. And it's not like I'm in water right now, I'm just freaking out even thinking about it. But then again, as you all know if you're a long-term listener, I'm a massive wimp when it comes to even normal water creatures, so it's not much of a surprise. I really love this monster though. The concept that it's almost like a serpent ticking time bomb for the Norse gods really interests me. And honestly, I've never really looked into Ragnarok as a thing properly until this episode, so it's always really nice to come away learning something, and it also gives massive vulnerability to the Norse gods as well, which is something you don't really see from other pantheons. So it's super interesting, I really, really recommend everyone have a little look into this. But what do you think? Is Jormungand still swimming around the world's oceans? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think about this one. A legendary monster for you this week. It was such a joy to cover this one, he's such a cool monster. And you know what, it's really funny to compare episodes week to week and see how much content exists in one compared to another monster. We got at least 20 minutes out of this one, last week was only 11 minutes, the comparison sometimes is really quite mad, but I enjoy them long or short. Next week, we're heading over to the Andes in South America to look at the horrible, although sometimes handy, fat-stealing monster, the Pishtaco. No need to pay for liposuction next Thursday for this one. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's always an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are MythMonstersPodcast and the Twitter is MythMonstersPod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk 
and you can find us on good pods buy me a coffee and patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too just to let you know i did an amazing guest spot with chat tsunami the other day it was a really fun experience we chatted video games old game boy advances movies pedro pascal and a little bit of monsters thrown in there really recommend tuning in when it's ready i will of course send links out when it is should be around this time next month in july come join the fun though share this with your pals they might love me as much as you do but for now stay spooky and i'll see you later babes